When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome to the Tell It Abs It Is podcast. Your home for everything Colorado Avalanche on the Hockey Podcast Network. Here's your hosts, Griffin Youngs and Christian Boulay. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to another edition of the Tell It Abs It Is podcast on the Hockey Podcast Network. Another emergency edition. I'm Griffin Youngs, joined by Christian Bolay. As always, you know, I, th- I think we called this one that we oh. were probably going to have to be on here for another emergency podcast. Did not see this coming. Not in the slightest. The Avalanche trade Alex Newhook to the Montreal Canadiens in exchange for the 31st overall pick in the draft, the 37th overall pick in the draft, and Gianni Fairbrother. So that's a first and a second round pick and a prospect for Alex Newhook, who that one really caught me off guard. I had to read it a couple times just to make sure that it was real. Yeah, it was one of those ones where that idea hadn't even crossed our brain where it was like, why would you give up on one of your younger prospects? But when you look at the haul they got for him, it's a pretty good return for a player who me and you both defended last year saying he's still a young kid, but at times struggled and was not getting the playing time that he properly needed to develop. And I think the abs realized that they had to get off of new hook while they can and sell him high, then wait another year and his value goes down even more. Yeah. I think that's definitely one of the factors that plays into it is that if new hook doesn't take the step you expect next season, you're not going to get a package like this next year, but it's also now you look at where the avalanche are set up in the draft, where we were wondering even just a week ago, are they even going to have one pick in the first four rounds of this draft? Now they have 27, 31, and 37. And now comes the most interesting part of this trade, which is something that hasn't even happened yet. What the hell are they going to do with all these picks? Because I would be very surprised if they use all of them, because that just doesn't really fit where this team is going right now in trying to win now. Yes, it would be nice to fully restock the prospect, the prospect cupboard, but at, you also need players to play for you at the same time. And now Newhook's gone. Is there's still a lot of moving pieces with this trade that we're almost certainly going to get into on this episode, but 
this one had me lightheaded at work trying to to piece all this together. Yeah, it's it's one of those ones where you're just not expecting it. A lot like the Johansson trade. Um, that is, it was a trade no one saw coming, and then all of a sudden it happens. Um, it also makes me wonder if Newhook was asking for more in RFA than we were thinking. Definitely could be a part of it. That could be a part of it. But I also think, because we were talking off air, Newhook had a lot of the similarities that Tyson Jost had in his time with Colorado. And the Avs waited probably a year or two too long to move on from Tyson Jost. And if they probably would have done it like a year earlier, they probably would have gotten a pretty good return for him. But I think they learned and they were like, let's, we're getting this option of, like you said, two premier draft picks for a player who had his ups and downs in Colorado. And we can just use those picks now to add to our team. Yeah. I mean, it's a very interesting move because I don't think they think new hook is going to be garbage. I don't think there's giving up on this guy and giving him to the Habs and saying, ha, good luck. I think the Habs, we can kind of say this too. This is a huge package to get back for Alex Newhook based on what we have seen from him so far to be able to get another first and a high second round pick at 37, only five spots removed from the first round. And Gianni Fairbrother is probably more of a throw-in than anything else. The, he is currently 22 years old, third round pick in 2019, missed the entire last season due to a knee injury he suffered in the preseason. Based on all accounts, this is an AHL guy and we probably don't need to spend a ton of time talking about, but even still being able to get back that package in this deal, you have to wonder if the Avs got this offer because we saw something like this from the Habs last year with Kirby Doc. They get this offer and they weigh their options of, is Alex Newhook what we thought he was going to be when we drafted him? Or even if he does get better, is this a 50-ish point player that's probably playing in your middle six, if that even. We haven't seen that yet. And as the season went on, his ice time became less and less. And there were opportunities for him to move higher up in the lineup. But when the time came, Bednar was not calling his number. Yeah, he wasn't calling his number. And we said throughout the year that it's like, this is growing pains for... Alex Newhook, but it, I I think the Avs made the right decision here by doing this trade because it's not like you're saying you're giving up on Newhook. I, I honestly think Newhook's going to do fantastic in Montreal. I, I think he's going to get consistent top six minutes and he's going to flourish playing alongside like Nick Suzuki, um, Cole Caulfield, if he can stay healthy, like the Montreal Canadians are building quite a young team. And I like what they're doing. And I think Newhook only adds to that. So I think this is one of those ones where I still think the Avs won this trade because getting a return for a guy who's an RFA, who you were playing six minutes in the playoffs, like that's a pretty damn good return, if you ask me. Yeah, I mean, I getting the second round pick attached to it as well just seems like maybe you got a little more than you probably should have, which is a very good thing for us. And it's also worth mentioning that I'm pretty sure Kent Hughes, the general manager of the Montreal Canadiens, used to be Alex Newhook's agent, wasn't he? Correct. Or at least was was it was that he was his agent or that they were friends? Yes, he used to be his agent back when he was an agent, not the general manager of an AHL team or an NHL team, excuse me. 
And I think the thing about this trade is that it's really hard to talk about because it only feels like part one of an unfinished product where you're looking at it now. This is very clearly setting up for something. I cannot imagine they're doing this just to refill their prospect cupboard and then go into UFA and try to fill out the rest of this team. It just, it doesn't make a lot of sense for what we're trying to do right now, especially with Gabe Landeskog's money on LTIR for this season. Now you have the capital to go and flip these picks for another player and still have at least one left over to add a very solid prospect into your system, whether you keep 27 or 31 or 37, keeping any one of them is going to land you, so long as you've done your scouting, which I'm sure they have, a pretty decent prospect, which this team needs. They do need decent prospects, and it's just... I completely agree. This seems like they're going to move for something else because this team is not in the we're going to develop prospects phase of this this hopeful dynasty. They need to get quality NHL players. And now you have the arsenal with three day one picks to go and get a player that is going to help your team for hopefully more than one year. And it's the cost of winning because that's when you have a championship caliber team, you don't really see them developing prospects as well as a bad team is because your good players are taking all that ice time and you're trying to win as many as possible. There's a reason why dynasties don't last 20 years in in hockey. They last five to seven years and then your core gets old and you have to restart the whole process. Like we'd have to enjoy this time of being an Avs fan because in probably 10 years, the team's going to suck again, but that's just the cycle of hockey. That's just how it goes. So I, I really do think the Avs are cooking something up and it's going to be something that we are just not expecting at all. Just yeah, not if, at all. If the last few days are anything to go off of. Yeah. We have not even conceived of what this move could possibly be. Also worth mentioning that my go-to of Igor Sharangovich is off the board. He's going to to Calgary along with a third-round pick for Tyler Toffoli, which is a monster of a deal for New Jersey and uh, kind of a head-scratcher from Calgary. whole bunch of stuff happened today. The, the Dubois trade going to L.A. plus the contract. We can get into all that and more later. But the trades are starting to come through now. But going back to what you were saying about this, I think the great thing about this trade is that now you can do both. Now you can go out and get those NHL caliber players on your team now and still bring in at least one solid prospect. And another thing is we we talked about the idea with just 27 a few days ago of like, what if you trade back? And then you go and add two second round picks instead of just having one first round pick, go and flip one of those. This is kind of the same deal, except you can still do that at 27. And I think I kind of like that idea of now that you have 31 trade back at 27 and get even more picks trade a couple still and still be able to add more players into your system. I mean, this, it sucks to see new hook go because I still think there is a lot more to be unlocked with him, but this opens up so many interesting avenues for this team. And we, we debated even doing this show because we weren't sure, like, is something going to break in the next few hours because it, like I said, this feels like such an incomplete story right now 
and that probably by the time the draft rolls around or by the time pick 27 rolls around in the draft, we're going to have an answer on what the plan is. Because again, I cannot see them using all three. There's no chance in hell they use all three. Zero. Zero percent chance that happens. If it does, all of Avs Nation is going to freak out. But even still, like even if that does happen, you're still adding three very good prospects into your system. Yes, it doesn't fit the timetable, but just like humor me here and imagine someone falls to you at 27. Like imagine like uh, Oliver Moore or Benson or someone like I'm dreaming here, but imagine someone drops in the draft and you're able to grab them at 27. And then you're able to grab like Gavin Brindley at 31. And then at 37, you go out and you draft like the Dragon Dragasevich or something like that. That's very welcome additions to your prospect pool. But again, those are probably guys you're not seeing for three, four, five years. I think they'd do that if the UFA class wasn't such utter dog shit. Right. Because if the UFA class was strong, I would be all aboard just getting drafting as many players from this draft as possible. But you need to trade to get a good player right now because the, the UFA market is just absolute shit. So I I just don't see a world where they use two of those three picks. I think they'll use one, but I don't think they'll use more than one. I I can imagine a world where they use two. I mean, maybe they flip 27 for something. It's still a low first round pick. All of these picks have value to somebody, and they're still going to be able to go and add someone with at least one. I wouldn't be surprised if that they kept two, but I would be very surprised if they stood pat with all of it. It just doesn't seem like it seems like something else needs to be done, because if we're being honest, New Hook would add more to the team this year than that draft pick. Right. And if you're truly in win now, you're not going to trade that away. So they have to have something else up their sleeves. I just, I, I'm keeping my fingers crossed. It's Elias Lindholm. That's really where I'm at. Certainly love for it to be the case. I mean, that's domino number one for the flames with Tyler Toffoli going to New Jersey. And by all reports, the Flames are offering Lindholm whatever he wants. Money does not seem to be much of a problem for them when it comes to keeping him. It's just a matter of does he want to stay? And if he doesn't, now you have the capital to go and do something like this. And now now I'm getting excited again. But this is what I mean about this deal. It opens so many interesting avenues that this is kind of going to become probably like a mock trade episode again, because now you have the picks and Now the deals are starting to come through. Guys are starting to come off the market a little bit. And if you want your guy, you're going to have to go out and get him pretty soon, I imagine, because guys are going to start flying off the board. They're going to start flying off the board. And it's weird because like all the trades, it doesn't seem to be like a consistent like trade value. It seems like one team is like, like, let's just talk about the PLD trade. Dubois goes to LA and I felt like the Jets absolutely destroyed the Kings in this trade. 100%. Yeah. It's like that. And then, like you said earlier with the, the Serengovich trade for Toffoli, it feels like the devil's robbed the flames. So it's weird because in one case, the buyer's getting ripped off. And then the other case, it feels like the seller's getting ripped off. Yeah. I, it's, it's a weird situation. And for the, the package for Dubois was Gabe Velarde, Alex Ayafalo, Rasmus Kupari, and, 
a second round pick next year, which is what the Kings got for Sean Dursey. So you can basically include Dursey as well into that deal. That's a lot for Dubois. And on the other side for the Flames and the Devils, that is not a lot for Tyler Toffoli. And I'd almost put those players on like the same tier. Yeah. I mean, Dubois is a center and significantly younger, but even still. 8.5 for Dubois seems like a lot, dude. $8.5 million for a guy with a career high of 63. I think Dubois is a very good player, but I, if, this is why I cautioned against the Avs going out and getting him because that's a lot of money. And the only other option is he's here for one year. And that's the package that the Kings had to go and give up. Like are the jets better today than they were with Pierre-Luc Dubois on the team. Now that they've added guys like that, I think it's close. I don't think they are exactly, but if they can get the growth from Velarde and maybe get a little bit from Rasmus Kupari, who's been kind of disappointing in LA so far. I think they made out like bandits in this for a, yeah, for they, a player who didn't want to be there. Yeah. They, they got a good return. Like th- this is a very good return for, for the jets. I, I don't think they're better. I think they're finally realizing that this core is done and they can start rebuilding around Kyle Connor. I don't, and... I don't know if it's that though. They're going to buy out Blake Wheeler. I imagine in the next couple of days, but I think this trade it's the rebuild on the fly that Shevel Dayoff is trying to do. Yeah, I don't know. I, I think it, it really depends what they do with Hellebuck and what they get back for Hellebuck if they trade him. Yeah, but can you imagine being Dubois and going from Winnipeg to LA? That's a pretty good, uh, pretty good change of scenery. Can you and imagine then, being Velarde, Iafalo, and Kupari yeah. from Los Angeles to Winnipeg? That would suck. That would really suck. And Winnipeg's a great, like they have great fans, but. There's cold. a reason why players don't want to go to Winnipeg. It's fucking cold. Yeah. Cold as shit there. There's nothing anyone can do about that. It is cold up there, and yeah. L.A. is not. L.A. is beautiful. Um, well, eh. the, the, the eyes na- of the beholder. The, the, the nature, what's left of it is. Yeah. But it's. It, I, I think that's a little bit why with Dubois, when it became clear he was going to go to the Kings, which we felt like we knew that was coming like, Four days ago. Yeah, this has been coming like, for a while. It, the Canadians needed a center, and I feel like that's why they kind of overpaid a little bit for Alex Newark. Yeah. I mean, it seemed like for a little bit, these deals were kind of connected because this happened before the Dubois trade went through, is that right. the Canadians went out and acquired Alex Newhook. And again, it's a high price to pay. Like, I don't know if I've, knowing what I know about Newhook, that I would give up that kind of price for him right now because he just seems like such an, an unproven commodity do I think he can thrive in Montreal? Absolutely. I think he can be great. I don't know if he's a bona fide top six center. I think maybe if you throw him on the wing, he could have that kind of potential. I just, I haven't seen it from him. It's what I was talking about to you before we got started on this episode. We just have like full on episodes sometimes before yeah. we start recording sometimes, but it's not that Alex Newhook didn't take a step forward this year. It's that he took a step back. Right. I, I've seen a lot out there that like, oh, it's his rookie year wasn't even that good. And his sophomore year, he didn't take a step forward. I thought his rookie year was pretty good. Like, I liked how Alex Newhook looked in his rookie year, even if a lot of the points weren't there. I mean, 33 points in 71 games for a rookie. I mean, that's nothing to sneeze at. But I liked his impacts on the ice. I liked that he was skating hard. I liked his defensive impacts. I liked that he was doing the right things on the ice. And then this year, he played a full season. One of the few guys that played a full season. 
So he had plenty of opportunities to jump up in the lineup. And those same things that impressed me in his rookie season just weren't there anymore. Those same impacts, those same smart plays, it seemed like for some reason he lost his confidence along the way somehow. And it just he was a shell of the player that he used to be and just kind of a floater out there sometimes. And that worried me a lot. And this coming season for him in Colorado would have been make or break. And if it was break, then this result was coming just without the massive package attached to it. You're getting a third round pick instead of a first and a second. So I, I really think it's one of those things where the Avs rushed his development. I really think he probably should have spent a year in the AHL. Like last year when they won the cup, probably would have been a good year to put him in the AHL, especially with how loaded that team got after the trade deadline. Kind of would have made sense for him to play in the AHL. But it was, like you said, this second year, it did seem like he kind of lost some confidence. And I think a change of scenery is going to be good for him. I really do. And it's I mean, the... Montreal is a tough change of scenery because it, it's a wonderful city with wonderful fans and wonderful people. But you better perform. You yes. better. And now that that price tag is attached to him, you better perform or you're going to be asking for another change of scenery real quick because they will rip you apart. Yeah. yeah, but I also like it depends what the contract is that they sign him to. I think it's probably it's going to be more than what he would have gotten here. I think that's probably one of the benefits for him. What, it's like like three point five. No, 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 no. I think like here he was probably going to get between one and a half to two. Now probably looking at two and a half ish, maybe for a year or two in that range, just because the Habs have more space than the Abs to do that. And they don't have to pinch every single penny right now. I think three and a half would be kind of nutty. Like I think the Blackhawks are throwing around that kind of money right now if you want to end up going there. But he's going to get more money than he probably would have gotten here, which is good for him. Yeah, it's I, it's a bummer, but I, I, I think it's going to be good for – I think it's going to be good for, for Alex to get a change of scenery. And the Avs, I think they won this trade. Just getting those draft picks is a win in my books, and now – it's going to be one of those ones where like right now it's hard to say the abs are the winner, but when you see the trade tree connect and all the players they are going to get from these trades, hopefully I think this is going to go down as a win for the abs. Yeah, so, I mean, so far Chris McFarland's two, two and zero this off season in trades. I mean, he he's wheeling and dealing right now. He is man in the phones and he is not afraid to do some business right now. And even just going back to new hook. I mean, we can continue that conversation. Like, what was his role going to be on the team this season? I saw like third line center, but also maybe third line wing. Then also we're acquiring all these guys. It just doesn't seem like his role seemed kind of forced now in retrospect, now that we're looking at it, like, okay, he's third line left wing because it's kind of a waste of his development to be on the fourth line, but he doesn't deserve to be on the second line. Right. But also you're acquiring a top six center and a winger and you're going to block him from moving up most likely how much room would he really have had to even grow this season because this is not a charity right now we're not here for your development we're trying to win a stanley cup and i think it's going to be good for him in his career to have more space to breathe in montreal and the thing with the abs in this move is it's like you said you got to wait and see where the rest of this is going first maybe it's not even just going to be 
after the draft that we see this happen. It's going to be probably in free agency as well. Like where, who's going to slot into that role that Alex Newhook was playing instead? What's that money going to look like? And you need to see the vision of what McFarland and Sackick are doing first with this. Hey everybody, hope you've been enjoying this episode so far. Interrupting to bring you a word from our sponsor at DraftKings Sportsbook. New customers can download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code THPN to bet $5 and score $150 in bonus bets instantly. That's code THPN only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in Massachusetts. Call 800-327-5050 or visit gamblinghelpline.org. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY at 467-369. In Kansas, call 1-800-522-4700 on behalf of the Boot Hill Casino and Resort. In West Virginia, if you have a gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER or, fit or visit www.1800gambler.net. All games regulated by the West Virginia Lottery. Please play responsibly in partnership with Hollywood Casino at Charlestown Races in Connecticut. Help is available for gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. 21 plus in most eligible states, but age varies by jurisdiction. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for details and state-specific responsible gambling resources. Bonus bets expire seven days after issuance. One boost per game. Eligible opt-in required. Max bet 50. 10 leg reg for 100% boost. Eligibility wagering and deposit restrictions apply. Terms at DraftKings.com slash baseball terms. Now, back to the episode. And you can't predict it. You just can't. <laughs> there's, there's no way that you can predict what's going to happen with these trades. It's... It's we just got a reply to one of our tweets. And, I was just gonna read that. Yeah, like yeah. and it's like once you saw uh, from the crossover podcast, what's the name of the guy who runs that? Uh, M, it's a, at M Pierce Six. His name's Matt Pierce. Matt Pierce. You knew he, he brought up a good point. Like once Sharon Govich was mentioned with the Avs, you knew it wasn't gonna happen because yeah, once, that's how the Avs always work. Right. Once he was mentioned in rumors at all, you knew the Avs were not involved, which is a great it, point. It is a great point. Like it's every player that's rumored to be an AB never ends up on the ABS, and that's all. Like not not even just rumored to be an AB, just rumored at all to be on the move. <laughs> it's it's always a player who you had no idea was on the move, and then they're all of a sudden on the move. Yeah. They, so they, they, they just they have a tight lipped front office when it comes to stuff like this, and if they're involved in rumors, it didn't come from their end. Well, and it's one of those things like being a reporter for that team probably has to for the ABS. Got to be one of the most maddening things because that's your chance to like kill it on like engagements on Twitter and you don't find out until the team announces it. Yeah. I mean, like, I mean, absolutely no offense to Peter Ball or anyone who covers the Avs era for anyone like that. When was the last time you saw them like they've got this one first before anyone else or even like Friedman or Johnston? Anyone where they're like, no one gets it. No it's, one like the, you, the earliest they get is like 30 seconds before the team tweets it because yeah, they fucking sent it to them. Yeah. They get an email about it. Yeah. So it's just, it's, it's gotta be a tough job. And it's, I, I always just laugh. Cause it's like that. You see other teams like insiders get all these like scoops. Oh yeah. And it's like, it's, it's gotta be frustrating for them where it's like, God damn it. Like I wish the abs would just give me something. 
Yeah, I mean the 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 Jets guys and the Flyers guys have been all over everything for yep. the last several days down to every last minute detail. And we didn't even know Newhook was on the block until he was <laughs> in Montreal already. Crazy, dude. Crazy. And again, that, but... that is not, that is not at all a shot on the one no. people that cover this team. That is completely just how tight-lipped this organization is. It's... We have wonderful reporters who do a yeah. wonderful job. No, they do a great job. It's just it, that job's got to suck when it comes to this type of stuff because people are looking to them to get the news and that they don't even get the news until it comes in their inbox on their email. They they barely get answers at the press conferences. Yeah. Uh, It's just gotta be a miserable part of the job. Other than that, I, I would do their, I would love to do their job in a heartbeat. Um, But overall final thoughts. I, I I think it's a good trade for the Avs. I I think it's when we talk to you guys, probably tomorrow after like five trades get announced, (laughs) we'll, we'll give the full trade grades on it um you can't but, give one right now there's yeah. like the trade's not done yet because you there's so much more still left to go with this deal because again i just can't imagine they use all three of these picks it it does not make a lot of sense one probably i'd say almost certainly they keep at least one i'd also be surprised if they trade all three but they're one, not going to move all three yeah i would be shocked if they if they keep two of the three yeah I would like this move makes sense for the fact that they can do both, that they can go out and get a quality player via trade and also add a decent enough prospect to their prospect pool. Maybe even two. like I'm, I'm enticed by keeping two picks. If you go out and trade 27 or 31 for a solid player with a solid contract, I'm not even going to try to fucking hazard a guess anymore. I give up trying to figure out who this team's even trying to target anymore. But imagine you keep two of those picks, and again, you you take, you somehow manage to to get Gavin Brindley, and then also get Dragasevich. Or if you keep the second round pick and and Harabel, the goalie six six goalie still available, you go take a flyer on him. Like there again, so many interesting options here with this deal. You do you think there's any way that they package all three of those to move up in the draft? I don't unless they really like somebody who like, could be unless, an immediate impact. What yeah. if they traded all three to Montreal and jumped into five? I don't think the Habs do that. <laughs> no offense. I don't think the Habs are doing that and also taking back their own pick. That's fair. They, they had two of these picks and then they gave them to us. But now we put one four spots ahead of the one they gave us. So like, yep, you can have Matvey Mitchkov. Uh, it'd be interesting, but I, I just really don't see a world where the Habs keep all these picks i just really i I just there would have to be like a a problem registering the trades and they don't go through on time or something that is the only scenario that i can see them using all three is like if something technologically fails like the phones go down and they literally can't trade the picks in time that's it in terms colorado gets hit by another tornado yeah, the hit by another tornado, the world ends or something. I don't know. That's the only way I see them using all three of these picks. Other than that, it just... Who's, who's the player that you think they're going to trade for? If you had to put a wild guess, who's a player that you think they could go after? I mean, it's why I said two minutes ago. I, I, I fucking quit trying to predict what this Say the one that you talked to me about earlier. What's the one I talked to you about earlier? Dino. Dino. Oh, Dino. I mean, I would certainly like that to happen. I mean, it's uh, it's what it's what our guy Peter put in uh, my mentions when I was talking about some possibilities with this trade. Is 
the Kings are still going to have to clear some space. And if they're looking to, you know, clear a little five and a half million dollars off of the books, we'll take some Philip to know off your hands for sure. That five and a half million dollars for four more seasons, one of the best defensive centers in the NHL. Is that going to happen? I think the Kings would be out of their mind to move him, especially with where they're at as a team for draft picks, especially after getting Dubois. But if they were, I'd almost have the same ferocity for that as I would Elias Lindholm. I would rather have Deneau over Lindholm just for the fact that he has four more years at a reasonable cap hit. Five and like a half million? Yeah, for sure. That's the only reason why I'd do that. And the Kings are, like you said, they're going to be an interesting spot because they still need to sign a goalie. They don't have any goalies signed. And they had, what, $4 million is what you're saying to yeah, spend? around $4 million bucks to basically get a goalie I think their offense is done pretty much outside of the odd like RFA signing or like picking around the edges. I think the Kings big business is done, but like you run in Phoenix Copley next year. Yeah. You need a goalie, bro. <laughs> like, like, is Corpusalo going to take under 4 million bucks? Like who's the goalie that you're going to go out and get? Like it's, they've got work to do as well. I don't, I, again, don't think it's to know. And I think they moved their cap dump when they moved. I follow, which is why I was tweeting about that. They're like, Maybe the return we're seeing for Dubois is not all going to the Jets, and it's just he's on his way out of Los Angeles, and then the yeah. abs can come in and get I was full crockpot conspiracy theorying all over everybody's timelines, but again, it opens so many interesting avenues. And I just I just had a thought coming to my head. Flyers are fire sailing right now. They're making some deals. They've got some deals that are held up. They made the Kevin Hayes trade today. That's kind of getting buried. Sixth round pick for half retained. So it's even more salary retained than I thought it would be. They've got, they've got some interesting options. Konechny, Noah Cates, Scott Lawton. They've got players that I would not mind trading a couple of picks for. I don't know if what we have is enough to get Travis Konechny at $5.5 million, but if they did... I wouldn't be opposed to it. That, that's one where you're moving all three. That's one where it's the yeah. 27, 31, and 37. Without a doubt. But I just, I'm trying to think of a player who hasn't been rumored on the trade market and could sneak away to the abs. And I, I still just go back to like Sam Bennett from, from the Florida Panthers or someone we're just not expecting to get moved and they're all going to get moved and the abs are going to get him, and you're going to be like, how did we not see that coming? I, th- I think Scott Lawton is an interesting option because the Flyers, when this was first rumored, were asking like some exorbitant price where they wanted like two first-round picks. I think they know they're not going to get that. If they the abs offered them 27 and you get Scott Lawton, I think that's a fine deal. Scott Lawton has three years left at $3 million at 29. Not a huge score, but a perfect guy i think to throw right in your middle six probably on your third line at three million bucks i wouldn't be surprised if that's it but again i'm not a gm and i'm not as smart as these guys i it's gonna be someone we're just not expecting and i fully expect to be back on here probably tomorrow afternoon it's gonna be interesting to figure out how we're gonna handle tomorrow if a trade happens because it's probably going to because if a trade does happen should we just wait until after day two anyway, because we still have that second round pick or are we trading that second round pick? Cause the thing, like the thing is we might use both of the firsts and then trade the second. And so we not even might not even have a trade until day two. 
yeah, we're gonna, th- there's just going to be some craziness that's going to happen over these next 24 hours. Yeah. So I'm you, guys just, gonna, you guys are going to hate prepared for anything. voice over the next little while because we're going to yeah. be here a lot. We've been yeah. here a lot. This is our third episode in like five days. Yeah, which is fine. I'm cool with it. It oh, gives I me something it. to I do. No problem. I have no problem. But it's just, I agree, like what's going to happen? Like everything is going to depend on what the trade's going to be. And the trade could happen tonight at midnight or it could happen two minutes before the Avs make their pick one of their picks like it, it's it's just so up in the air yeah it's probably going to be done the second i hit that little stop button at the bottom absolutely and then we'll just come back on and we'll do the whole outro and then just have to repeat it but um that's pretty much like we're kind of stuck with the with the news for right now the only other news that really came out today and we're going to talk about it because we probably won't be able to talk about it after this episode is the schedule was released which is always an exciting day. Uh, it's good to know who we're playing. But the Avs schedule looks pretty solid. It is so much better than it was last year. I was stunned looking at this. Like, where the hell was this when we needed it? We've got, what, eight back-to-backs the entire time? I only saw six, but I think there was just two that I missed along the way. So only eight back-to-backs compared to what, like the 15 that we had last year? It was something ridiculous. And we don't, our first back-to-back isn't even until the end of November where you're in Minnesota on the first half and then home against Calgary after that. So for the first time, we don't have Minnesota on the second half of the back-to-back for once. And at least this time for the back-to-back against the Flames, like we had in October last year, we're at home at least. We So no back-to-backs in October one back-to-back in November, and you have one back-to-back in December with Winnipeg and San Jose, and one in January. You've got one in February, one in March, if I'm reading all this correctly, and two in April. April's going to be tough. Look at that final stretch where after you play Columbus on the first, you have Minnesota-Edmonton, both road games back to back. And then yeah, third, that's rough. third game in four nights is Dallas at home. Then you play Minnesota again at home. Then you have a three day break, Winnipeg, Vegas, back to back three day break. And you finish the season against the Oilers. Other than that, this schedule is not that bad. I think. No, it's, it's not crazy where it's like three games in four days, a bunch. Like it's actually yeah. pretty well spread out. October, you have two home games and the rest are on the road. Ball Arena is pretty booked up in October, so that's probably why. But in terms of that, this could be much worse. You're starting the season on October 11th, a Wednesday in Los Angeles to play the Kings. You have a two-day break and you're playing the Sharks. You have a two-day break and you're playing the Kraken. Then you're finally back home against the Blackhawks for your home opener for the second year in a row. Dude, the only thing I'm noticing, there are so many late start times it's actually insane oh shit what what is this why are these all so late yeah like for you it's even later than it is for me there's a lot of 8 p.m games this is a real genuine problem for me now (laughs) yeah you have a job bro i can't do why is it a 10 30 my time for the home opener why Why that's what i'm saying dude it's crazy how many like that all four games that the first four games are the game's going to end at 1130 midnight, my time. 
this this schedule actually now feels like an attack on me personally. <laughs> These and games like, are so Louis, late. Why, why is a random St. like St. Louis game? Why is that fucking a seven thirty start time? This is weird. Now that you've pointed that out, now it's like, oh my God, all of these games are late. Yeah. That's what I'm saying, dude. Like New Jersey on a Tuesday, why are we playing at 8 p.m.? Vancouver again on a Wednesday, why are we playing at 8 p.m.? The one I'm looking at for you that's going to suck, Thanksgiving week. Uh, when do the Ravens play Thanksgiving? Are they playing on Thanksgiving this year? I don't know. I don't have off on Thanksgiving, so I don't think right. it matters. But that's what I'm saying. They play Calgary that night at 8 p.m. That's the game yep. I was looking at. Jesus. Oh boy. This is gonna this is gonna be fun. So now like, why is Buffalo? Why Buffalo on a random Wednesday in December are we starting at eight? And then Calgary at uh that week two at 7 30 at night. Like there's a lot of late start times for these games. It's a, it's a sacrifice I'm gonna have to be willing to make for this schedule, because for the abs, it's not that bad. Once no, you- it's not that bad, but well, Once look at you. Like they did throw you a bone on March 24th with Toronto, a 5 p.m. start time. Oh, how nice. They threw me a bone in like the last few weeks of the season. I appreciate yeah. it. But it's just crazy. There's a lot of late starts. But like you said, I, I do like the schedule. The East Coast road trip doesn't seem too brutal this year. Um, It seems like it's spaced out a little bit. Yeah. Oh, I mean, that's going to suck. Sunday, October 29th. We play Buffalo at 11 a.m. on a football Sunday. <laughs> That's going to be. Yeah. So like the, the one game that would be a normal time for me, which is 1 p.m. I'm going to Yeah. Yeah. No, it's crazy, dude. But, but I, I do like this schedule. I I, yeah. I don't see like a brutal stretch like last year when it was fucking no. the, Boston, Boston, seemed, New York. It seemed like every other week was just a brutal stretch, especially once yeah. you got to February and started really getting down the stretch. It felt like there was just no breaks with this team. And I don't think the injuries were a coincidence either with just how many guys were getting banged up last year with all the back-to-backs and everything. This schedule seems a lot more suited for the team to do well and to be able to rest players between games. Injuries not going to be like injuries are going to be a problem, but you're not going to be screwed if everyone gets hurt at like one particular time because you have a stretch of, just impossible games all back to back. The hardest stretch of the season is the end, which is a little annoying and probably going to have a lot of divisional implications, but might get you warmed up for the playoffs. Also might wear you out. I mean, it's really hard to predict how that's going to go. It is hard to predict. I just, I'm feeling good right now. Feeling good right now. I mean, for the end of the season, you have, six days off compared to three games towards the end of the season where you have Winnipeg, Vegas, and Edmonton. You have a three-day break after you play Minnesota. Then you have the back-to-back of Winnipeg, Vegas, but then you have a three-day break before your last game against Edmonton. It's like it could be worse. I mean, this schedule does not even compare to how insane last year was. And we say that now. That could very well change as some of these matchups start to materialize. But looking at this right now, not even, what, four hours after it was announced, this is fine. This, this is not the disaster that last year's schedule was, where it's like you have a back-to-back where you're traveling like three separate times and playing rested teams. Eight back-to-backs. Again, I still don't see eight on here. Maybe I'm just blind. But even still, 
six or eight of them, it's not nearly as bad as the, what was it, 14, 15 that we had last year. Yeah, it was brutal. Yeah, I mean, it, it's it's a good-looking schedule. I mean, yeah. it looks just almost like every schedule. But the important part to me was the back-to-backs. Like yeah. that, I, I think the abs, they were a little bit more vocal on it than they were. Um, like, I feel like that was, they were vocal about it last year. Yeah, and I think was, that, that paid a little bit of dividends near the end. Yeah, I think the 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 NHL kind of needed to throw them a bone with this one. Like their schedule last year sucked and it hurt them a lot. And I do think it genuinely cost them games and cost them injuries too. And the schedule makers needed to do better. One thing I did notice about this schedule for all teams, the heavy focus on the Chicago Blackhawks. Oh yeah. Are gonna be I they're gonna be the Penguins home opener, I think, on the first day of the season. Bedard Crosby that's already getting thrown out there and hockey night in Canada first week of the season that you're going to see a lot of Chicago this year whether you like it or not that's what they wanted with this whole thing they wanted Chicago to be back into the market so they got their wish I mean Pittsburgh Boston is the back-to-back to open the season for Chicago that's Montreal Toronto Colorado Vegas Boston Vegas is their first month of the season. Tell me that is not a Connor Bedard tour. Only two of those games are even at home. Yeah, they're gonna get crushed. They did trade for Taylor Hall though, so that they, that, they got him somehow. I totally forgot to mention about that. that. Yeah, that happened almost twenty four hours ago, so it's long gone news. Yeah. I mean, Taylor but, Hall just gets traded so often. Is it even noteworthy at this point? Yeah, I feel bad for the guy, but he also like more than likely is going to get flipped at the deadline anyway. So. I don't think so. I think he's going to stay. I think that is going to be Connor Bedard's sidekick for the next little while. Oof. They need people to play with him. I mean, yeah. Taylor Hall is not a bad option to play with Connor Bedard. I also don't feel bad for Taylor Hall because you have an MVP you don't need. You took yeah, one. but you I took also, it's like, could you imagine going from Boston to fucking Chicago? <laughs> I mean, it, he had a partial no trade clause. He could have put Chicago on there. Yeah. Yeah. But. Yeah, I agree. Chicago is going to be front and center for everything. And it's just going to be like, how bad is it going to be if Bedard doesn't turn out to be the player we thought he's going to be? Then this is going to be a long season because you're going to see it's going to be. Why is Connor Bedard not this yet? Because it's going to be every national game is going to be the Blackhawks, basically. Yeah. Oof. I just thought about like everyone in the world is saying this kid's going to be like great. But what if he ends up not being great? Or like he gets we'll hurt. Like, guess we'll dude. have to wait and see. I mean, draft. We'll be recording after the draft, whenever that is, whether that's after day one or after day two. But I have a feeling we're gonna kind of be forced on here, maybe tomorrow. With uh, oh, we are absolutely. I I am honestly banking on the fact that we're gonna hop back on here before the night's over. Yeah, with I mean, just I'm how gonna, crazy gonna... this day's going. I'm, I'm pretty convinced of that. Yeah. I'm going to be on the, the hockey podcast YouTube channel tomorrow at pick 27, assuming we still have it. And even if we don't, I'll be on for pick 31 just to give a live reaction and analysis to what the abs are doing. So if you guys want to feel free to join me with that, you are more than welcome to, but I'm just going back to the new hook thing. I feel like we're kind of out of things to say until more things happen with this deal, because this, like we said, this is an incomplete story with new hook and the deal. I mean, the new hook story is done. His time in Colorado is over. He's part of the Montreal Canadians, but as for what the abs are going to do, they've clearly got something cooking right now. 
All right. So now it's time to let McFarland and Sackett cook for the next little while while we build up to the draft and just kind of see where this has taken us. Yeah, we got to see where it's taken us. I wouldn't be surprised if there's some more twists and turns along the way. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised we're on here in an hour talking about the next deal that the Avs made. So this is the fun of the draft where you got to just kind of be on standby for the next little while. Then we're going to get to Saturday and it's going to be free agency. And we're going to be right back here again, talking about all the fun stuff that the abs are doing. I mean, we're going to get a lot of answers over the next little bit. This is one of the few trades that gives more questions than answers. But the good thing is we're going to have most of those answers probably this time next week. Uh, Hopefully. 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 Probably not. I'm wishful thinking here. But we're going to have most of the answers, I imagine, by next Tuesday, I think. Yeah, I agree. And then it's the dead of the offseason. So we're going to enjoy these next couple days because then the offseason kicks in and that's when it gets really boring. Yeah, that, that's when you got to start doing offseason content and stuff yeah. like that. But we can worry about all that later. Future trust unless, problem. Unless you've got any closing thoughts on this deal, I think we're ready to wrap this one up. No, I don't think so, man. Well, I, I just like I said, I imagine we'll be back on here before the night's over. Yep, probably going to be the case. So if that's the case, we'll talk to you guys soon. If not. Thank you all so very much for tuning in to another edition of the Teledabs It Is podcast on the Hockey Podcast Network. Use promo code Teledabs It Is on SeatGeek for $20 off your first order of $50 or more. If you want to follow us on Twitter, you can follow me at NHL. You can follow Christian at Christian underscore Belay. And you can follow the show at Tell It Abs It Is. But again, Thank you all so very much for tuning in, and we will catch you all next time, whenever that may be. But until then, let's go abs.